Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Certainly glad to see everybody here this morning. We have visitors from as far away as uh, Port Orchard. <laughs> and, of course, we have some from a, a place back east, Wisconsin. It's certainly good to see all of you here. Glad to have you uh, present with us as we try to serve our God. Um, this, this is an interesting story, isn't it? Zacchaeus. I'd like to see a show of hands of everyone who knows the song about Zacchaeus. Okay. I wonder if I wonder if anybody could sing it. <laughs> well that's a that's a neat little song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Anyway. This story, as with all stories in the in the New Testament and the old, has a has a reason for being here. There are a couple of texts in the New Testament itself that gives us some indication of the importance of every single story that we read in the Bible. But especially when we're talking about the New Testament. As a matter of fact, there are only four little books, almost called pamphlets, that talk about the life of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And some of them repeat the same story. The, the, three, the three books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called synonymous gospels. And the other, John, kind of stands by itself. It tells the same story, but it has some different instances involved in it that are not included in the other three. But what a short volume, if you could call it that, that talks about Jesus, tells us about Jesus, the most momentous, important man in the history of mankind and just a little short book that tells us about him. Now John the Apostle, when he, when he finished writing his book in chapter 20, the last two verses in chapter 20 of, John, of the book of John, tells us that many other signs of Jesus truly in the presence of his disciples, which are not written, but these are written that you might believe that he is the Son of God, that believing you might have life in his name. The other text is in John chapter 21, 25, that says many other things did Jesus that are not written in this book, but if that could not be written because if they were, the, even the world could not contain all the books that should be written about him. What I'm telling you is this. Every little story 
in the New Testament about Jesus has a point and an emphasis and a deep, 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 deep meaning. Now, what I, I, I don't think I can mine all the meanings that are involved in this text in Luke 19 about Zacchaeus. But it does tell us that, that uh, Jesus saw him, spotted him up in the tree, and Jesus invited himself into his house. This is the only occasion we have of that, of Jesus saying, I'm, I'm going to come to your house. I'm inviting myself to your house. That's the only one. Zacchaeus was impressed. He didn't say, no, wait, Lord, I've got to go sweep everything out and clean everything up. He didn't say anything like that. He, what he told Jesus was, he said, he said I, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to restore it four times of what I stole from them. That's impressive to me. There are ten times that I can find in the New Testament, these four books, are actually four books, there are ten times when Jesus went to someone's house as a guest or was going. Didn't make it, but was going to, his, to that house as a guest. And most of these times, it involved a meal. They were going to eat together. Now I want to say something about this before I get too far along in, in what I want to talk to you about. When you come into someone's home and sit at their table... You are in a sacred place. Did you know that? This is the most, probably the most important spot in the whole house is the meal table. That's where secrets are shared in the family. That's where, where congeniality should spring forth. That's when, when hearts are open to one another. And if you invite someone in, that's where you're going to be convivial with them. You're going to be hospitable with them. You're going to associate with them and you're going to share some of some of your life with them now in saying that I want to say this that in my studies concerning the meal table it has impressed me that the meal table is the most important event in the life of a child you know that when you get around the meal table this is this is what forms the child's background of family Juvenile delinquency has been studied over the years of children who have gone bad and gone rogue from a family. And, and the, the one aspect that people look at when they look at uh, children that have gone delinquent, they try to find out what the background is and where they came from and what's going on and, and why they're in that sort of situation. So they think about environment, they think about society, they think about companions, they think about everything. But the one factor that actually forms a good solid childhood is a good time at a family meal. Isn't that interesting? And it's the very place, the, very, the only place in your home where you should never have an argument is at the meal table. Never. Every psychologist and psychiatrist that have ever dealt with children and the development of the family will tell you Never, ever, ever have an argument or a conflict at a meal table. It's disruptive to the whole attitude of the family and environment of the home. Okay. 
Well, let's go on from there. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus said, Kiss, come out of that tree. I'm going to come eat with you. I'm going to come to your house. Okay. The majority of the instances when Jesus went into a home, there was controversy and shouldn't have been. But there's conflict. Shouldn't have been. But it, but it happened. The, it was um, intentionally contributed by those who were guests in the home. Now imagine, you've invited the God of the universe into your house. He's coming into your home. And someone's going to come in and try to make trouble for him while he's in your house. Now that's what happened with Jesus. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 37 it says, As he spoke, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him, and he went in and sat down to meet, sat down to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed his hands before dinner. He brought up a uh, religious argument with him. Why, why didn't you wash your hands? It's not as if he didn't provide a place for Jesus to clean his hands up and so forth. But they went through a ritual of washing. The Pharisees did. What they were trying to do is make sure that they got all the Gentile influence off of them. They'd been out in the world and they were afraid that they'd rubbed up against someone that had infected them with something from the world, from the evil part of the world. And so they went through a series of six washings. Bing, 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 bing. Until they got everything washed off. In other words, they washed the first time. But that didn't get it all off, so they washed the second time. It was still in the water. The third time. Anyway, six times they figured they've, they've gotten themselves free of the influence of the evil world. Well, they, they, they came to him and they, they, they said they saw some of the disciples eating bread with him. This is still in Mark chapter 7 now. They, they saw his disciples eat with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, and they found fault. And the Pharisees said, uh, and all the Jews, except they wash their hands often, they eat not, hold the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And uh, many other things there be which they have received to hold, as the washing of pots and cups and brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why, why don't your disciples walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? So they, they introduced a controversy at the meal table. And this is the wrong place to have it. This is the wrong place to have a fuss. Listen, if you're going to fight with someone, don't do it at the meal table. Don't do it immediately before or immediately after. As a matter of fact, probably ought not to squabble with anybody. But, if you're going to squabble, don't do it at the meal table, and especially don't do it in front of your children or with your children around. In Luke chapter 14, in verse 1, uh, there were people who actually came into those environments when Jesus was in the home of someone that he'd invited, been invited into, and they were looking for something to start an argument over. They were looking for something to get angry about and to accuse Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, of doing something wrong. Luke 14, at verse 1, it says, It came to pass, he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, and they watched him. 
Now imagine you're going to have a dinner party. And you're going to invite a very celebrated guest. And you're going to invite others as well. And some of the people you're going to invite are going to come in sort of sub rosa. They're going to come in with the idea of keeping an eye on your guest and see if they can't trick him into saying something wrong. Something that would embarrass him and embarrass you. He says, Behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. Here was a man who had what we would call elephantitis. He was swollen in many of his extremities. Jesus answering spoke unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? They held their peace, and he took him, and he healed him, and let him go. And answered them, saying, Which of you have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit, and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they couldn't answer him. So he healed a man. Here was a sick guy at the meal, minding his own business. Apparently he was there because he was hurting. And Jesus saw him, and he healed him. And the fellow standing by who came in to see if they could find something wrong jumped on that and accused him. I'm sure that upset the other dinner guest as well. On one occasion, Jesus was invited into a home for a meal deliberately to humiliate him, to get him in front of everybody else and embarrass him, to disrespect him, to make everybody see that he wasn't who they thought he thought he was. They wanted to somehow bring him down in front of everybody else. Bring him into a, a, a hospitable situation like that, into the warmest place in the house, the meal table, and embarrass him. Embarrass the guest. Luke chapter 7 verse 36 says, One of the Pharisees, Simon, that was his name. It doesn't say that in this text here, but it does later on. One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And when he went into the Pharisee's house, he sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, stood at his feet behind him, weeping, began to wash his feet with tears, did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed him with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, that's Simon, he spoke within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner this woman is that touches him, for she is a sinner." Now, before we get too far along, let me tell you how they did this. When an honored guest came into the house at that time, they usually gave him something for his hair because he'd been out in the sun to kind of keep grooming himself cosmetically. And they washed his feet as, as an act of, of honor. Washed his feet. Gave him a nice place to sit. That's how they treated a respected guest. How did they treat Jesus? How did they treat him? How would you have treated him? Here was, a, here was a son of God, the God of this universe. And when they brought him in the house, they were bringing him there to show everybody else that he was nothing. He wasn't even worth ordinary hospitality. Wasn't even worth that. Well, after Simon had his thoughts and Jesus confronted him with him. He gave him an example or asked him a question about who, who was the most great, grateful if they were, were forgiven of a debt. Someone who had a large debt or someone who had a small debt. And of course Simon said the one with the larger debt would be most grateful 
And then Jesus said in verse 44, he said, He turned to the woman and said, Simon, see thou this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she's washed my feet with tears, wiping them with hairs of her head. She, you gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, both had not ceased to kiss my feet. Didn't even get a hug when he came in. Did you get a hug this morning? When you came in this building, did you get a handshake? Did someone say, hey, we're glad you're here. When Jesus walked into a place, he didn't get that. No one hugged him. No one shook his hand. No one did the traditional thing, kissed him on one cheek, then the other cheek. No one did that. No one put anything on his hair. No one washed his feet. No one asked him to sit. Sit over here. Have a nice place to sit. They didn't do that. This woman came in and did all of that for him. His detractors seemed to always be ready to put a negative, negative spin on the things that Jesus brought with him into a home. They always seemed to do that. They were always ready to do something bad to Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32, it says, After these things he went forth and saw a publican. Now, here's another situation. Here's a man who is like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he had a lot of money. Here's a man named Levi. His name was later be changed to Matthew. Matthew wrote one of the books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Before that, his name was Levi. Okay. Jesus went forth and he saw a publican named Levi sitting at the seat of custom. He said unto him, Follow me. And he left, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast. Here's what Levi did. He said, I want you in my home. So he made a dinner party. He invited him. And he invited, invited his other guests. He said he made a great feast in his house. And there was a great company of publicans and others that sat down with them. So all his friends came in. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they came too. They came to the dinner as well. They came too. And they murmured against to his disciples and they murmured about the public and sinners. They murmured at Levi's other guest. They said, what, why did you allow this trash in here with us? If he, if he was the Savior, he'd know better. He would know not to associate with these people, these common individuals. The scribes and the Pharisees murmured and said, Why did you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answered, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, he wasn't the only one that was criticized at one of these meals. There was a, and sometimes we mix this, this situation up with the one I read a while ago in Luke chapter 7. But in John chapter 12, there's another situation, and that is... Just before Jesus died, at least about a week before He went to the cross, at verse uh, 1 in John chapter 12, it says, Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom He had raised from the dead. Okay. Jesus came to, came to that place, place. And it says, They made Him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at table with Him. Then took Mary, that's one of the sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus. 
The other instance in Luke chapter 7 was probably Mary Magdalene. This is Mary, the sister of Martha, the sister of Lazarus. So here's another woman, and she's got the same impression about Jesus that Mary Magdalene had. Anyway, she took a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Now she didn't wipe, she didn't wash his feet with her tears like Mary Magdalene did, but she used that ointment and she wiped his feet, cleansed his feet and anointed him. It wasn't that Jesus was not respected when he came into the house, it's just that she came to do what she wanted to do. And then one of his own disciples made a comment. He accused this woman of something that he shouldn't have accused her of. He accused this woman of being frivolous with her money. He said, he said uh, because that ointment was sold for 300 pence, he said, he, why, why didn't she sell this and give it to the poor? He criticized the woman for what she was doing for Jesus. So... You know what I'm getting? I'm getting the feeling that every time Jesus came into somebody's house, they had a problem. They had difficulties. They had criticism. They had controversies. They had people squabbling about things. They had people not only criticizing Jesus, but criticizing each other. He said, Judas said that, the text says, not because he cared for the poor, because he was a thief and he had the bag. And he bore what was put in it. Jesus said, let her alone against the day of my bearing as she left, as she done this. The poor you have with you always. Now we have four instances of happier times. Now I've given you all the instances where there was controversy and difficulty. But there are four times, four meals that Jesus was invited to. Some he was not invited to basically, but went. And somebody was invited and didn't actually get to the house. But there are four happy times. Completely happy times. In Luke chapter 4, verse 38 and 39, he says, He rose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. Now we know who Simon is. Simon is Simon Peter. This is not the same Simon we were talking about back in Luke chapter 7. Anyway, Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. That's Peter's mother-in-law. And they besought Jesus for her. He stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately, what did she do? She arose and ministered unto them. I imagine what she did. She said, is anybody hungry? I'm sure that's what she did. Aren't you? So she got around and she took care of everybody. That was a happy time. That was a good one, wasn't it? And there was, a, there was a great joy that was brought into that house. It's not that Levi wasn't happy when Jesus came into his house, but things happened that probably soured the event. But there's nothing soured this one. Jarvis was, was invited Jesus to his house one time. If you look in Luke chapter 8 now, at verse 41 and 42, it says, Behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, besought him that he would come to his house. Come to my house. The problem was, Jairus had problems. But he still invited Jesus, come into my house. And the problem was, Jairus' son was sick. He had a boy that was sick. He said, he, he not a boy, but a daughter. He said he had his only daughter, about 12 years of age. She lay a dying. There's another fellow, I got mixed up there for a minute. 
Jairus' daughter was 12 years old and she was sick, but he invited her into his house. He invited Jesus into his house. Well, in the meantime, when Jesus was on his way, you remember the story. He was going to a big crowd and the lady reached out and touched him and she was healed because she, was, she had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. By the time Jesus got through the crowd and got to the house, the, the little girl had died. It says he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in. This is verse 51. But Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden, and all were weeping and bewailing him, and he said, Weep not, she's not dead, but she sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. Everybody in the house laughed at it. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, May to rise. And her spirit came again, she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. He charged them that they should tell no man what was done. That, my friend, is a happy ending to a visit from Jesus. That was a good time. Another time, the one I got mixed up with was a noble man. The same thing in John chapter 4. Jesus came into Cana of Galilee when he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So his boy was dying. Charles' daughter died before he got there. His boy was dying. Jesus said unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down, lest my child die. Jesus said unto him, Go your way. Now Jesus didn't even get to the house. Didn't even get there. But he was on his way. And it said, Go thy way, your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Now to me, that's a happy ending to this story. Full of joy. The boy was dying, and even before Jesus got there, he was invited to the house. The boy came alive. He got, got well. They inquired of him the hour that he began to amend, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. Now probably the most emphatic time that Jesus was called to someone's house was with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in John chapter 11. Now Lazarus was the boy, and it says Jesus loved this little family. And the young man, Lazarus, was sick and dying. And Mary and Martha sent to Jesus and asked him to come. That's the first part of chapter 11 of John. Jesus didn't go right away. And as a result of him not leaving right away, Lazarus died. And so now Jesus is on the, his way to their house. Mary and Martha both were at the house. And so was a group of mourners at the house. They had already put Lazarus in a tomb and shut it because he had been gone three days by the time Jesus got there. But when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she rushed to meet him apart from the house and met him on the way. Fell down at his feet and Jesus reassured her. He said, uh, your son shall live. And she said, I know he'll live in the resurrection. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of the life. He that believes in me. Though he were dead, yes, he'll live. He that lives and believes in me shall never die. When Mary heard, Mary stayed back at the house. When she heard that Martha had contacted Jesus, she jumped up and ran too. 
None of them ever got to the house. So when they got there, when they got to Jesus, they all went to the tomb as a group. And Jesus asked them to open the tomb, and they were afraid because they thought he had already started to decompose. They rolled the tomb away, and Jesus walked in. Of course, it was breaking his heart. When he walked in the tomb, he said, Lazarus, come forth, and he did. What a happy ending to an invitation to come to your house. Lazarus came alive. I wanted to say this before I got too much further along this line. And that is, when Jesus stepped into a house, people came alive. People came alive. When Jesus comes into your house, somebody's going to come alive. Things are going to get better. And things are going to get happier. Sometimes it's going to involve controversy, that's for sure. Because everybody's not going to accept the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And everybody's not going to accept the fact that they need to change their lives and walk with Him. Good things happen when Jesus came into their house. Good things happen when Jesus went into Peter's mother-in-law's house. She got better. When He went was going to the nobleman's house, something good happened. The boy got better and got well. There's always rejoicing and happiness when Jesus comes into the house. Did you know that? When, Je- when, when Levi asked Jesus to come into his house, it says there was joy when he got there. There were some problems later, but there was joy. Rejoicing and happiness. People come to life. Jairus' daughter came to life, and Lazarus came alive. You often wonder about this, and I have to say this. I've been around a lot of people who have been dying. Who have been dying. But the ones that I'm most impressed with are those who believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and those who have given their lives to Him. Those who are awaiting the resurrection. Now when I've been in their presence, you know what I've, I've sensed? I've sensed the breath of God in the room. That there's still, even though there's death there, there's life present. Because they know, and we know, that Jesus lives, and He is the resurrection, and He is the life. And even in the grip of death, when Jesus comes into the room, there is life, and there always will be life. And when Jesus comes into the house, good comes over the people that let him come in. That was our story to start with, Zacchaeus. He said, he said, come down, I'm going to come to your house. And when he did, you know what happened to Zacchaeus? All of a sudden, he was a changed man. He said, if I've stolen...